Blog Talk Radio. Unfortunately, for some reason, the audio kept running. It wouldn't shut off. Um, but anyways, welcome to Golf Talk Live, and thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, we are live, as always, every Thursday evening. Got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, uh, an interesting round of Coach's Corner, and uh, I'll bring the guys on here in just a second. A little bit later in the show, I'm going to be joined by my very good friend and special uh, guest tonight, uh, Pat Roquet. She's the founder of Rock Your Golf. Uh, she's uh, a fellow New Jerseyite, uh, I guess, if you would, and I've got uh, a young uh, gentleman on from New Jersey tonight as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll give a shout out to New Jersey uh, for for doing that. Um, but as always, we're we're live every Thursday night uh, here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network from six to eight PM Central. And uh, best way to find us go to BlogTalkRadio.com and up in the search key type Golf Talk Live, and you'll find us there live uh, on Thursdays. Or you can go. Uh, to that page and just scroll down to the on-demand section if you're not able to come on uh, or join us live and you can check out the on-demand section all of the previously aired shows of course are there um, also you can go to itunes or stitcher.com uh, and under the podcast section you can just type in golf talk live and that will take you there as well uh, you can also speak to the guests or call in any time during our live broadcasts on thursday nights and the number to call is area code 646-716-4667 uh, or you can email any questions or comments to me or if you're somebody that's in the golf profession and you're interested in coming on the show uh, by all means you can email me personally at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com and of course as always i update on social media facebook twitter and uh, of course linkedin and many other uh, social media sites as well so make sure you check them uh, out each and every week so you can see who's going to be coming on the show got a great panel for you tonight and I'm going to introduce them here in, in just a second but a quick announcement just to let everybody know uh, any of you coaches or teaching pros that uh, uh, follow the show or listening um, I am going to be sending out the coaches corner schedule uh, for 2018 here in a couple of weeks in fact by the end of this month I'll have it out for sure um, to all of the emails I have on file if you're interested and you've never been on and you'd like to join uh, in the di- weekly discussions on coaches corner uh, by all means, send your email to me as well to ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And I'll be posting uh, that information on uh, Facebook and some of the other social media sites as well, uh, just to let you know. But I thought I'd throw that out there. And uh, I'm probably looking to get all the information back as far as what dates and so forth uh, that you can participate and what the parameters are going to be, uh, hopefully by about the end of January. So it gives you a couple of months to check your schedules and, and make sure and see what you're available for. Um, but anyways, I'll send that out uh, in a couple of weeks and, and make uh, some reminders as we go along. Um, as I said, I've got a great group uh, tonight. Uh, let me just start off and, and uh, before I bring the guys out here, 
Uh, first up, of course, is Pete Buchanan. He's been a regular on the show. Uh, he's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, uh, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf uh, circuit and simple swing repeater training brace. Uh, he's been teaching over the past 30-plus years. Uh, Pete has been simplifying his golf swing philosophy in an effort to make it simple for players to uh, play this great game. And as I understand, uh, Golf Digest also ranked him one of the best in uh, Missouri, in his state, uh, for 2017-2018. So congratulations to Pete. Um, also, Brian Dobby is joining the panel tonight. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, he's our uh, young pro, if you will, from uh, New Jersey. He's a PGA <clears throat> member and currently the Director of Instruction at Montclair uh, Club in, uh, Golf Club in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, and some of his accomplishments include uh, in the New Jersey PGA include the 2005 Assistant of the uh, Year Award, uh, 2010 Junior Golf Leader Award, and the 2012 Teacher of the Year Award, as well as the 2015 Junior Youth Development Award. Uh, also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 10 teacher in the state of New Jersey. Uh, great guy as well. And also on the panel is Brandon Stukesbury, also been uh, fairly regular on the panel as well. He's the Director of Instruction at the prestigious Idle Hour Club in Macon, Georgia, and has been ranked in Golf Digest Best in State Instructor Rankings for Georgia and was honored as the 2015 Central Georgia PJ Teacher of the Year. Uh, Brandon specializes in the competitive player development and enjoys teaching players of all levels, from beginners uh, to the PGA Tour. 11-year uh, member of the PGA and certified instruction. Golf Digest, as I mentioned, also best young teacher, uh, also known as the top 40, under 40. Uh, Golf Range Association of America also ranked him top 50 growth of the game teaching professional and also received an honorable mention from the U.S. Kids Top 50. And a five-time PGA Award winner, best-selling author of The Wedge Book, and uh, we're still waiting to get the update, but we'll find out uh, this fall, I believe, or maybe early next year, uh, he'll be coming up with his other book, uh, The Putter Book. So we'll be looking for that as well. We'll get an update through the show. And last but not least, uh, our very special guest panelist tonight is Brett Cohen. He's a golf fitness instructor and fitness over 50 authority and the founder of the New York Golf Fitness Guru. Uh, Brett has been involved in the fitness industry uh, for over 17 years. He specializes in working with golfers and individuals over 50 and is the only trainer in New York to hold two golf fitness certifications, uh, TPI uh, and Czech Institute, as well as two fitness certifications specializing in the Mature Population uh, Functional Aging Institute and National Academy of Sports Medicine and a senior fitness specialist. Whew. So guys, welcome to Coach's yeah. Corner on Golf Talk Live. And glad you guys could be. And, and I think, Brandon, you also were recognized. I, I didn't mean to leave you out, but I, uh, I think you also were recognized uh, again this year, where you're not uh, by Golf Digest. I think I saw something there on, on social media. Was that correct? Yeah, they just uh, they, they put me in their uh, the best in state rankings again in Georgia. I came in at number six in the state um, this year. So. Well, congratulations to you as well, and Thank to you. all of you, uh, for all of your your accomplishments. And uh, and Brandon, I will before we we close out uh, this segment, I will uh, get you to give us an update on the putter book. Um, all right. So as I mentioned uh, to you guys a little bit off air, and, and particularly you, Brett, we're gonna we're gonna tackle uh, our fifth topic uh, in a series of topics. Uh, there were, were four previous ones. I'm gonna give you the the quick rundown on them, mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Brett Cohen, our, our fitness expert here. Uh, to sort of start the discussion tonight in the panel. Uh, back in March, of course, uh, our first topic, we, we talked about what you should do to prepare for the upcoming season. Uh, we talked a little bit about, had, had some great ideas. Uh, and then in May, we, we tackled topic two, the most important piece of equipment that you own. And uh, topic three, of course, we talked about uh, what your golf pro doesn't know but should. 
And in September, uh, we talked about, uh, which was our fourth topic, special considerations uh, for the over 50 golfer. And in this uh, segment this week, we're going to talk about in the conclusion of this series, uh, the topic five is the difference between golf coaches and golf fitness coaches. So uh, having said that, Brett, I'm going to let you uh, start with our opening statement, and then guys, we're going to have our discussion. Okay, thanks, Ted. Uh, so if you go back in the history of time for golf instruction, at least for as long as it's there's been video. Uh, most golf coaches have been comparing an amateur golfer swing to the professional golfer swing, and then asking that amateur to replicate the professional's form and swing. When in fact, the average amateur golfer just does not have the physical capability to get their body into position to perform a mechanically correct golf swing. Uh, but many coaches, not the ones on the show tonight, I'm sure, exclude, excluded, uh, keep saying that they need to get you into that position. And they do that oftentimes without the knowledge of knowing what that player can physically do. Uh, and that's, that's where we're going to start. Right. And let me just say, let me just also preface the, the discussion tonight. And, and we've talked about this, about the fitness side of golf. And, and obviously um, none of us, with the exception of you, Brett, of course, uh, to the best of my knowledge, are certified in fitness uh, instruction. But this is something that has become very, very important over the last um, probably decade or so, uh, if not longer, with especially the elite golfers. They've been very um, aggressively pursuing a much more diligent fitness regime. And this is something that obviously um, we have to take note of as instructors and coaches um, to make sure that, you know, in order to uh, utilize the best of what we have to offer, that our students are also keeping themselves uh, in relatively good uh, fitness shape in order to accomplish some of the tasks that we may set for. So having said that, um, I, I want to start off, and I'm going to start off, Pete, with you, if you don't mind, and then uh, I'll go to Brian and then Brandon. Um, you know, obviously, as a golf professional, our job is really as a skills teacher. We're giving our players the skills, if you will, uh, in order to accomplish the task of navigating around the golf course. So Pete, talk about some of the things that we try to instill in the players that we're working with, amateur or otherwise, and also why it's important that they incorporate some kind of a fitness regimen, if you will. And it doesn't mean it have to be hardcore, but why they, it's important that they uh, have some sort of a fitness regime, if you will, in order to help uh, that process. Well, I think initially when you're looking at something in a, in a fitness design uh, so that they can, first of all, protect themselves uh, against any injury that, that may come along. Um, you have to look in, in a screening sense to see exactly what they can do, but also too, you know, it's 18 holes for, for some of them. It's a, it's a long time being out there. So the more fit they are, the, the easier they can uh, navigate the course, the longer they can, you know, continue to do the things that they need to do. You know, they don't get so tired uh, toward the end of the round. So, you know, trying to get them into, you know, you know, a moderate fitness shape so that they can enjoy playing and not worry about, uh, you know, losing any of the things they're trying to do because they are getting tired. But I think overall, it's it's important so that they can they can sustain, you know, some stability. They they're able to to you know get strong enough and 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 um, I should say adequate enough that they can continue to make the the different types of moves and skills that you're talking about. And um, so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's, it's really important. I get, I get to do a lot of it right now because I'm, you know, I'm a volunteer assistant with the University of Missouri women's golf team. And, you know, I'm, I'm in tune right. with, you know, all other fitness people and, 
and uh, we're talking back and forth about their swings and how we need to to work their fitness to make them you know as as good of players as we can um you know based on everything that we have so you know i again i'm no expert in it but uh, it's it's been good to be able to see it from that standpoint and then also down into my players i'm always talking about trying to get them you know physically fit uh, just to be able to enjoy themselves more and and uh, you know make sure not that we're going to put them in a, in a swing that's going to entice any injury into it you know we don't do that but we want to just make sure that they're going to stay healthy while they're playing yeah well said and and let me just um Brian, before I, I get you to jump in here, um, let me just sort of go back to the, the opening statement and, and just sort of clarify a couple of things. You know, traditionally, before we sort of got into where we are now in the industry, there really wasn't a lot of emphasis uh, on the physical part of the game. You know, we just sort of assumed that people that were coming uh, to the lesson tee, uh, you know, were in some reasonable shape and some uh, reasonable fitness. Um, and, you know, we focused on the skills, if you will, of, um, you know, making them better ball strikers and, and that sort of thing. But, Brian, you know, for, for years we, we really focused a lot on the technique of the swing, but as we understand the body a little bit better through things like biomechanics and, and so forth, we're understanding that some of those positions can be difficult for some players uh, more so than other players. So, Again, working at a, at a member's uh, club, you obviously have a, a variety of different clientele that you work with. Is this something that you try to instill, and is this something as a result of some of the modern technology out there that you're able to see with a little bit better eye um, when your students have, uh, or your, your um, uh, yeah, students, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, uh, maybe have some physical limitations. Do you try to work through those limitations or try to encourage them to uh, fix that in order to be able to help their overall game? Well, Ted, um, first off, thanks for having me on the show tonight. And uh, just want to say hi to all the other um, guests here. Uh, it's an honor for me to be on here with all you guys. Um, but, Ted, yeah, you know, um, Pete, Pete really summed up what I was just about to say, you know, with the fitness end of it. I, I think um, the members we have at the club, I, I try to make sure we evaluate them properly before they go off onto any fitness program. I think um, an right. evaluation is key because, like you said, everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has different needs. And you the second thing is injury prevention. I think, in my mind, a fitness program, especially for members of the club, should evolve around injury prevention. So if I can get them through the season without breaking down, they're going to enjoy the game more, have a chance to work on their swing more, and, and, and get more enjoyment out of the game. So so what's the goal here um, when it comes to golf fitness? And, and I think injury prevention is one of them. You know, the second thing is to, you know, we've had so much information in the last 10 years as what's important, um, what's more golf-specific, you know, and I think a lot of times I find players at our club going down roads that aren't golf-specific in the fitness um, industry, and I always ask them, you know, is this exercise or is this program going to help you or is it actually going to hurt you? And um, there's a lot of stuff out there today that could definitely hurt the golfer as opposed to make mm -hmm. them better. So those are the things I, I 
I always stress when, when one of my students is talking about getting in shape um, and what have you or trying to get stronger, what, what, are, what are your needs? Did you have an evaluation, and is the program um, tailored to what you need, whether it's more mobility, whether it's more stability, strength, or overall conditioning? Uh, and everybody is different, and, and I think that's right. how the golf swing and, and is going to evolve from that first step. You know, uh, we, we just can't teach everybody the same thing. Everybody isn't built the same way, and we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I think uh, golf coaches today have to apply some um, some of those rules there to uh, their students. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well said, uh, Brian. Thank you. Um, and, and, Brandon, this goes to, um, again, sort of a similar question, but, you know, we obviously see – um, sometimes students that aren't able to execute or perform uh, the swing maybe we'd like to see. Um, and we've, we've taken a look, we've done an assessment, as Brian talked about, uh, to sort of gauge their limitations. Um, and, and unfortunately in the past, now again, this has changed quite a bit here in, in more recent times, but in the past, a lot of times, especially with some of our older golfers, uh, we tended to... Uh, you know, come up with drills or, or uh, ways of, of overcoming those limitations. Um, now, you obviously work with a lot of junior golfers uh, and, and young and up-and-comers, if you will, that uh, maybe have aspirations of, of playing professionally or even collegiate golf. Um, so, obviously, you get kind of um, a twofold here. You get to see some of the young golfers coming up, Brandon, and then you also see some of maybe your older, mature golfers, and obviously there's going to be some difference. So, what do you look for? Um, when you're watching them, besides where the ball's going, are you looking for limitations or restrictions in their swing? And, and what do you try to do or how do you try to encourage them to maybe deal with some of those limitations if you feel that there's something that can be overcome um, on the physical side? Wow, that's, a, that's a, an in-depth <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You know, I, I think I may not answer your question at all in the two minutes I'm about to ramble on. Uh, but um, I, I, I would say the two populations are very different. You know, make make no mistake, just because a kid is a kid doesn't mean they don't have physical issues. Um, it tends to be different. Uh, the kids tend right. to be hypermobile, where an adult or particularly a more seasoned adult won't be very mobile at all. And so the kids tend to tend to push things farther than they need to, have to, probably should when it comes to rotations because they don't have much stability uh, and they have the right. ability to, to really twist and contort their bodies, whether they should or they shouldn't. That has every bit as much potential to injure them as the other side does when they can't rotate or do something or whatever and they try to. And so it all starts with an assessment, right? I mean, I'm fortunate – um, that, that, that I'm at a place in my career where I've, I've done the research, I've done the study, I've done the training to where, you know, I, I know what parts of the body need to work in what ways to make uh, the golf swing move the way we need it to move. And so after I, can, after I put them through a screening process, then I can start to build that puzzle. And, and I can start to, to find out whether or not their bodies are working properly or not and if not, why not? Meaning is it because they are unstable and hypermobile 
or they are not very mobile at all and, you know, can't bend and move around. And so I think the populations are very different. And so I look, I, you know, it start it starts with ball control. If they can't control the ball, what do they need to do instead? And can mm-hmm. their body and can their physique and can their fitness level support what they need to do instead? If the answer to that is yes, then it's an easy fix, right? We we apply the drills and they go on their merry way and they work on it and we move on. If they can't, then we have to assess why they can't. And that's about right. where my expertise ends, right? <laughs> now I've got to go to someone you know, who, who, who knows how to fix, uh, you know, an unstable hip or a hypermobile thoracic spine or, you know, or whatever. Um, and hopefully that person respects me enough and, 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 you know, to, to, to be involved in the process and realize that this is why we're doing it. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question or not, because you gave me a no, really you, hard you, question. Um, but you, well, <laughs> Hey, I, I only, well, listen, you're one of the you're one of the best in the panel here too. So you gotta yeah. you gotta take the questions as they come. Now, well done, Brandon. Um, and and actually, part of the reason Brett is also here is because he does specialize in an area that obviously the rest of us don't specialize. We, we've got the the uh, instructional side. We've got the the golf swing and and all the do's and don'ts out on the golf course. But the fist, uh, physical side and the fitness side is an area that we don't specialize in. So that's one of the reasons why it's important to have these discussions on the panel uh, for two reasons. One, for the golf professional to to get a better understanding of how we can help uh, out there. And and again, we have limitations. But also um, for the audience out there as well to listen and recognize that if they are having issues, that maybe there's another process in addition to their lessons, that we don't want them to certainly give up their lessons uh, to improve as a player, um, but if there are limitations, they may have to look uh, at some additional uh, skill sets to be able to overcome some of the hurdles. So, Brett, what I want you to do, I'm going to bring you back in here um, because I want, you to do, I want you to do two things. I want you, uh, first and foremost, uh, to address the guys here and any other uh, fellow pros that might be listening to the show. Um, I want you to maybe give us a, a quick guideline of what we should be looking for in our students. You know, Brandon touched on that. You know, obviously we want to do an assessment. We want to see how they're handling, um, you know, where the ball's going and, and how they're handling uh, different movements in the swing. But are there some key areas that we really need to focus on? And then once we've identified weaknesses in whatever areas they may be, um, then obviously we want to address those uh, with the help of a certified uh, uh, fitness professional. So do that first. Yeah. And then the second part of that then I want you um, to address the audience, if you will, uh, on the other side of that is things that maybe they can do to help strengthen those golf muscles uh, and golf-specific uh, muscles to help them so that when they come to us on the lesson tee, uh, they can be better pre- prepared to handle uh, some of the physicalities that we may put forward. So yeah. let's handle the pros first and then go to the audience, all right? All right. So I think the second half is going to be a little bit more challenging to, to get to, but I'll do the best I can. So first of all, sure. uh, all the pros on the panel made great points, and I wish I was in Georgia. I'd love to be on Brandon's team because he's, he's got it together down there. Uh, so here's where the, um, the differences between what I do and what the pros on the panel do really come to the top. Right? Our objective is the same, to keep the golfer pain-free and playing their best golf. Uh, But the first part of my job, which some golf pros do have knowledge of, is 
to evaluate and then determine how the golfer's body moves and how that affects our golf swing, which is called the body swing connection. So if one of the golf pros on the panel, I think Brandon has gone through TPI level one. Uh, is that correct, Brandon? Correct. Yes. Correct. Right. So he's aware of that. That's where uh, hopefully all the golf pros in the future will be is at least having a basic understanding of biomechanics and how the body is supposed to function in relation to the golf swing. They don't have to know how to fix it, but they should know what it is they're looking at. And when we talk about these terms, mobility, stability, balance, strength, power, what do they really mean and how does it fit into the overall picture of what the golfer's physical capability is? So this is really key because the body is going to be the limiting factor of how well you swing the golf club and the motor patterns or movement patterns that you practice are developed around your physical limitations. So in other words, the physical evaluation of the body becomes a really powerful predictor of the swing characteristics that the golfer will likely reproduce. And unless you eliminate those physical limitations, you will likely continue to reproduce those same swing characteristics again and again and again. That's where the limitation of a, of a drill is. A drill is very helpful if it's just a motor learning problem, if the golfer has the physical ability, but they don't know how to apply that ability to the swing. And that's what the golf pros here are experts at. But if there's a physical restriction, that gain is going to be very short-lived. And I don't think it really stands the test of time. Uh, does that answer the first part of your question? I think it does. Very well. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. that's, that was perfect. Now, let me just, before you jump yeah. into the second half of it, let me just say this. Um, you know, a lot of golfers out there, and, and again, we're dealing with a, a wide range, obviously, our, our younger golfers, as, as Brandon pointed out. Um, you know, some of them, uh, most of them may not have a lot of physical restrictions. Um, you know, they've got youth on their side. They're usually a little more athletic in some cases, uh, not in all cases, but in some cases. But as golfers, especially when we get the 50 plus range, as, as I know you uh, are expert in, uh, mm-hmm. Brett, is we mm-hmm. start to uh, get certain areas of the body that are crucial for golf. Um, and I use the term kind of seized up or aren't as flexible anymore. So let's identify some of the common issues that golfers might experience. And just, again, a general overview. I know we can't give them the the physical uh, viewing here on the show, but a a general idea of of what they should be looking for and and, um, and maybe some things that they can do to to help overcome that or improve on that uh, in the interim. Right. Right. So Brandon hit on this as well, and it it depends on – what the golfer needs physically is going to depend on that population and what their specific physical capacity is. But when we talk about the older golfer, the more mature golfer, the seasoned golfer, um, and the fact is that um, the vast majority of the amateur golfers out there around the world are men over age 40, and this is what we addressed in the the last episode. Uh, Right. What they're going to be lacking most is is mobility, uh, which is a combination of muscle or tissue elasticity and joint range of motion. And that's where a program for a person like that needs to begin. The goal of the exercise program is to improve movement efficiency. So the golfer has the physical potential to play the game of golf better. And if they don't have mobility, they're not going to be consistent. They're not going to have power. And they also have a high risk of injury, mostly in the low back, uh, the elbow and the shoulder. So when it comes to mobility, the places that they need to be mobile in, starting from the ground up, will be the ankle, the hip, the thoracic spine, the section of the spine that 
supports the rib cage and in the shoulder girdle, uh, the ability to lift their arms up into, into flexion, to raise their arms without any impingement. Pretty difficult for someone who's been sitting at a desk for decades and decades, their posture is poor. This changes the mechanics of the body completely, and that's where I would come in. It's the second part of my job is to now design an exercise program to help eliminate those physical restrictions and then give them a better physical capacity to express what the golf pro is asking them to express. Well done. Um, now I want to also um, talk a little bit about from the other side of it, um, Brett, if you can uh, very quickly, then, then I'm going to come back through the panel and I've got some other uh, questions as well for them. But obviously there are circumstances where um, maybe some of our golfers might have uh, permanent uh, physical limitations, whether it be, um, you know, I'm just giving an example, you know, we, we have a lot of our, our wounded veterans that have come back and some of them may have mm-hmm. uh, lost certain parts or, or entirely parts of, uh, of some of their appendages. And so there's now a, a more permanent physical uh, damage, if you will. And obviously we have to, that's something that we have to overcome as well for those that want to continue to play golf and want to, we have to sort of yeah. reinvent the wheel. And I'm going to talk a little bit about guys, but um, that puts into play, let's say for example, um, we've got a, a golfer who has lost their, their left arm. So now they're only going to play with, with one arm. So that puts into right. play the fact that the left side of their body, or at least their upper body, uh, is not going to come in as much play as it once did. Are there things that they can do to help strengthening uh, or help strengthen the other parts of their body in order to sort of re, um, recalculate their, their stability a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, well, those are um, very specific cases that need to be looked at kind of on a one-on-one depending on what each person's uh, individual issue is. And, of course, in an ideal world, um, there there would be a team approach to helping a golfer uh, become a better athlete and involves the golf pro naturally as a fitness professional and in some cases a medical professional. I don't have any golfers, thank God, that have lost a limb, but I have several that need the attention of a medical professor, professional to work on joints and the spine in a way that um, I just cannot attack with exercise. Uh, but regardless of who that athlete is, uh, if they're missing a limb or especially at the, in the upper body, we still have to think of the right way for the body to move. Of course, they're going to have a physical limitation. They're going to have a compensation. The right way for body to move is – to generate force from the ground up uh, and transfer that force from the ground into the pelvis, into the thorax, the rib cage, the lead arm, if they have a lead arm, hopefully there's a lead arm and then into the club and, uh, and the ball. So regardless of the athlete, we want to make sure that there's enough mobility in the lower body and stability in the lower body as well to ground them so they can express uh, the golf swing as best they can. Right. Um, well, well said. Um, Pete, I'm going to jump back up to you uh, for this part of the, the um, next question. And, you know, just sort of playing on what we were just talking about, obviously, um, you know, there are going to be situations where there may be a more permanent 
um, physical limitation. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a loss of a limb or, uh, or, or leg or what have you. It can be just um, due to the, the person maybe has a chronic issue, a chronic back issue and that. Uh, obviously, you've prided yourself on your teaching ability to really keep it simple, uh, plain and simple as you put it. Um, and that's something that you try to focus on with your golfers um, when you're working with them so that they're not overcomplicating the process. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you try to do? And because I'm sure you've had uh, some cases where maybe there have been some physical limitations. How do you then take that and try to keep the process simple enough that they can still get the results? They may not always get the, the full results they would like, um, but they are still going to get positive results that are going to help them ultimately have more enjoyment in the game. I can tell you, being uh, or having you know spent so many years uh, with the John Jacob schools, we came across a lot of cases that would come to the schools that that had you know different types of issues that that kept them from from being able to do you know things on a, on a normal basis. So, you know, being versed in ball flight cause and effect, that to me is is the mm-hmm. simplest way to get them to being able to make contact because we can look at the impact and start to make adjustments based on the abilities they have to get the face back to mm-hmm. score, to get the path in the right direction, to get the, the angle of attack so they can hit it solid. You know, I've always been simple on ball flight cause and effect. So that, that to me is, is the roadmap that I take. It's the roadmap I take with every player um, looking at, you know, the, the contact and the impact. But in this particular case, it's being able to make those adjustments, you know, based on those limitations that they may have. Um, and I, I had a, a, a scratch player who had a stroke and um, had to come back from it and lost. He was a left-handed player and lost, you know, all the abilities on his right side. And, um, you know, being left-handed was actually a bonus because that was his strong suit. And uh, we're able to to make the adjustments and make the swing work. Um, I I think he plays to like a 14 or 15 now, which is a great accomplishment from, from, you know, the the stroke that he had. But I I think it's just a matter of just looking at the contact itself, keeping it very simple in the basics of – the dynamics of that contact and making the adjustments to controlling factors to the grip in the face to, to what the shoulders are doing to, you know, get the path in the right place and, and looking at the, the posture, the body to you know help with the angle of attack to get it right. You know, keeping those simple basic functions um, based on where they are uh, to get the contact. So that's, that's the way I've always approached it. Yeah. And, and I, and I like that, you know, you're, you're exactly right. You know, Brian, you know, Again, you work with a lot of, um, you know, great members at your club uh, up in uh, in New Jersey. And obviously, you have a myriad of, of situations. And again, there may not be necessarily a, a permanent physical limitation, but you may be dealing with, with players from time to time that may have uh, some restrictions. So obviously, adjustments have to be made in their game. So maybe walk us through a scenario, if you, if you can think of one uh, maybe fairly recently, um, where you've had to, again, it can be due to a, a, um, an illness or some other uh, cause and effect, if you will, that you've had to make some adjustments in order to allow them to continue to play. Um, and some of them might have had to be been permanent adjustments. Maybe walk us through a scenario, if you have one there, um, of, of what you've had to do with maybe a student recently in that scenario. Well, Ted, um, we've, we've had... Uh an unfortunate um, incident with one of our juniors, um, you know, a few, few years back and he, and um, he, 
he had a an issue where he lost half half mobility of one side of his body and stuff. Um, mm. And we had to kind of start from scratch. And um, we started out finding out what he could do. And he was a really, really good player when this happened to him. And um, we found out what he could do movement-wise. And, and, and like Pete was saying, you know, what, what, was he getting the face square and stuff? And, and there was a lot of – we, we actually turned him into a one-armed player. And he would have to use. He was a lefty, and we had to use his right side to grip the club and and swing it. And he was pretty strong, but he lost a lot of stability in his left side of his body. So what we did was he had a walking cane, and we used that as a prop on his left arm to support his body. And we found mm -hmm. that he could swing the club faster with his right arm, his lead arm, with that support of the cane. And so through trial and error, we've, you know, this has been going on three, three years now, three, maybe four years, but he's made so much improvement and, and his injury aside, I just look at him as any other student. How can we make him better? And we've, we've right. gotten to the point where he can get enough club head speed to swing a driver now, roughly maybe a hundred yards, um, which, which is really mm -hmm. good. And, He's got control of the club face now where, you know, when you go to single arm, there's a lot of uh, rotation in the wrist sure. and hand. And we've worked on getting that ball airborne, trying to launch it more at the face angle. So, you know, I think it's the same as working with any other golfer. You have to say, okay, let's see what you can do. Let's see what needs improvement and let's keep building off of those things. And, and to his credit, he's he's uh, working out two times a week in the gym. He's gotten so much stronger in the last two years, and and you can see it translated into his his golf game. And it's so fulfilling to see him doing something that he loved again. And and you know we're out there, and I'm pushing him, and all yep. right, let's go try to hit it farther, and have you know we set goals and stuff. But you know it's unfortunate when these things happen to people. Um, but you still try to turn it into a positive and, 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 you know, just do the best you can. But that, that's, that's a situation I had at the club and, you know, um, and we take a lesson every week and we're just trying to get better every, every time. It's all we can do. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's a great example, Brian, you know, because a lot of times somebody in that situation, whether it's a junior or whether, you know, um, it's a, a more mature golfer, um, a lot of times they might, faced with that obstacle, might just give up the game entirely, um, just out of frustration or, or uncertainty. And I like the fact that you stepped up and treated him just like any other golfer out there, even though he's now, um, you know, maybe facing some some limitations. Um, you've sort of helped him to reinvent the wheel, if you will, and and be able to still go out there and and be an active player and enjoy it. And he may not necessarily reach all of the goals that he once had. I don't know. I mean, only time will tell. And uh, I don't know, obviously, the circumstances entirely. But uh, but at least he's able to go out there and enjoy a game that he obviously had a passion for. Uh, and and knowing that he has the strengths and the ability. Uh, to overcome some of those challenges is going to be great for him, not just playing golf, but in life as well. So that's a great life lesson as well that you've taught him, Brian, and, and kudos to you for doing that. Um, 
Brandon, I'm going to give you a, a similar similar scenario, um, maybe that you can share with us. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of limitations out there. The physical side of things uh, is something that we, as we talked about here uh, a moment ago, we have to take note of. But there's also another issue: uh, golfers that maybe don't um, support have enough physical strength. Uh, to support maybe the equipment they're using. As an example, um, there's a lot of our senior golfers that are still out there playing um, maybe stiff shafts or extra stiff shafts that don't have the physical strength or ability to be able to utilize that equipment. So there's an area there as well. Um, what do we do? Do we pump up their, their physical strength uh, or do we maybe reassess the equipment side of things and and uh, properly fit them with with the appropriate equipment to um, maybe improve that that um, that ability there what are your thoughts yeah I, again I'll kind of separate this into two parts like I did my my earlier answer I think you have I think you have different a different set of problems with juniors than you do with adults um, mm-hmm. improper equipment can be far more damaging for a youth player than it can be an adult player. And make no mistake, I'm not saying that it's that it's not harmful for the adults, but physically it can really be harmful for the kids because when they have golf equipment that's too heavy for them and or too long, then they tend to change the motion or the movement pattern of their body to accommodate the equipment. Um, and that can put them into some questionable borderline dangerous positions for their health. The older player um, typically won't, won't be susceptible to physical harm, meaning if a senior player, in my opinion anyway, if a senior player were playing with a shaft that were a little, he's probably, he or she is probably not going to harm themselves playing that golf club. They might not get the performance out of that golf club that they would a proper, you know, weighted or flexed shaft, but it's probably not going to physically harm them very much, or, or at least the danger of that is significantly reduced. I, I don't, I don't think. I hate to say this, and and you know, and Brett and all you you fit, fitness guys, you can't like throw virtual darts at me when I say this. I would change <laughs> the equipment in that situation, right? <laughs> now make no mistake, you know, I want the I want everybody on the fitness program. If I could wave my instructional magic wand, everybody would be working out tomorrow. Uh be it would be better for our games, it'd be better for our country, it'd be better for everybody's health. But if it were really that simple, I would just put a different golf club in their hand. If a junior came in and yeah. didn't have any physical issues at all, right, and he was just playing a driver that was too long and too heavy, I'd just change the driver. Um it rarely is it ever that simple, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. but if the equipment was that blatant, I would probably look to change that first for two reasons. One, because it might be an easy fix. And two, as we've discussed before on these panels in the last few months, getting someone to get into a physical fitness program is not always the easiest thing to do. That's the reality no. of the world we live in. If I could change their equipment, I would do that first. And then I would try to, to push them in that way if I felt like it needed to go. Yeah, uh, and I agree. That was a great answer. Um, so, Brett, it, it, it brings us sort of full circle here. You know, obviously in, an, in a perfect world, uh, an ideal situation, uh, 
we as the golf professionals and you as the golf fitness professional and, of course, maybe even medical, um, working together as a team in order to surround the player. Now, as, as Brandon just pointed out, you know, it's not always easy um, to get our players into some sort of a fit. I mean, a lot of them go to the gym and they do a traditional workout, but it may not necessarily be golf-specific. Um, right. So what are some things that maybe you could help us phrase a little bit differently um, in, in conclusion that we can then relate to our students to incentivize them to want to do that? Because Brandon is exactly right. If you go up to somebody that you can identify clearly there's some physical issues and say, well, you know, Joe, you need to uh, hit the gym or you need to do this or you need to do that, right away, you know, the roadblock comes on, the, the tires are screeching, they hear fitness, they don't want to do it. So how do yeah. we incentivize uh, our players to take advantage and, and, and maybe verbalize it in a way that is going to be enticing to them and encouraging to them to want to be able to do that? I think the first part of that is, is knowing where they come from. In other words, what do they want to get out of golf? Um, if they're enjoying themselves and that's all they need, great, but the golfers I work with, and I'm sure many, many more around the country, around the world, I just came from uh, Titleist Performance Institute in California, and there were 78 golf fitness professionals all doing the same kind of work that I'm doing, helping golfers perform golf better because they have a desire to perform better out there on the course. Uh, So if they want to perform better, if they want to hit the ball longer, they want to stay in the game longer, and they physically don't have the ability to do so, then obviously they have to make a choice. Uh, you're going to be, sure. as I say, you know, you, you're going to be limited. Uh, the game is going to be limited by your physical ability. So if they don't want to take any action towards improving their physical capabilities, they're just going to be limited to where they are. And the, the sad part is, you know, most of them will eventually get hurt. 60% chance they're going to wind up with an injury. Uh, but there are some that do want uh, to use the equipment in the gym, <laughs> as Brian brought up, but sure. are they doing exercises that are going to help them <clears throat> or hurt them? Uh, and in most cases, uh, lay people are doing exercises that are going to hurt them. So in golf fitness, what we're really trying to do, uh, certainly in the early stages, uh, especially for the adult male, is to establish or reestablish mobility patterns, stability patterns, coordination, balance, and postural endurance. And they're not going to get that using a weight machine in the gym. Strength, power, very important aspects of golf. Conditioning, very important aspects of golf. We test for that at TPI. Uh, There's a level two screen that, that tests for those things. But it's more important to have those other physical prerequisites because that's the foundation of, on which the golf swing is built. And if you don't have that, um, you're not going to have a consistent and powerful golf swing. So that's where someone like myself comes in, someone that has the knowledge to create that program, to give them the right things to do in the gym. So if they are incentivized to exercise, they're going to get the most out of the time they put in. Let me ask you just a quick question, then I, I've got something for the, the uh, want to give a moment or two for, to each of them on the panel. Um, you know, one of the things that we all hear, and guys, I think you would all agree with me on this one, is one of the complaints we hear from a lot of golfers is, I just don't have a lot of time. You know, I, I can barely make it out to the range. I mean, we're, we're trying to get them to come to the range to hit some practice balls outside of their lesson, 
uh, and you know every excuse in the book. So now we have to add you know some sort of a, a fitness uh, component to it. Is it are they able to do some things at home maybe that can still yield some results without necessarily having to go uh, to the gym or to a, a fitness training area? Uh, are there some things that they can do at home that will certainly help? Uh, certainly not everything, but but generally uh, help to some of the issues that they might be faced with in order to um, play their best golf. And Brett, that's for you. Oh, sure. Uh, if they were only going to do one thing, and I'm going to quote one of the most famous golfers ever to live, um, and that's Gary Player, it would be to stretch. I just posted a blog this past week uh, and used one of his quotes in the blog, and his quote is this, those who hit the ball longer have strong hips and core and are flexible. And as you know, he's 82 and he's still shooting in the 70s. The best example I could give wow. of this is comparing myself to Jack Nicholas. For years, he outdrove me by 20 to 30 yards, but as we've grown older, my strong legs and core, as well as my flexibility, allow me to outdrive him today. Flexibility is the key ingredient. So that's my advice. Stretch, stretch, and stretch again. So if they're going to do anything, it would be to stretch. Now, of course, there's better ways to stretch, and there's certain stretches they, they need to know how to do, but that would be my advice, especially for the, the over-40 male, is to get into a regular stretching Perfect. program at, at a minimum. Perfect. Well said. Well said. All right, guys. You know, one of the things that I've tried to do, um, you know, each season on, on Coach's Corner panel is to really – you know, get into some topics that we normally don't discuss as golf professionals. You know, um, Pete, Brian, and Brandon, you know, most of our conversations, we, we are trying to help the golfer hit the ball better, you know, score better, and play their best golf. But there are other components, as, as Brett's talked a little bit about tonight, and this is one of the reasons why I'm trying to engage us, is not just to help our audience out there, but also to help one another to as we do our assessments and as we do our uh, evaluations of our students, we want to be able to be better informed. And obviously we can't do everything. Um, you know, some of the things that we talked about tonight need to be left up to a professional in that area. But I think you would all agree that it's, it's better as instructors, the more knowledge that we can gain, the better that we're going to be able to help our students in the long run, not just with the swing and, and the, the game itself, but also in the preparation uh, leading up to and even post round as well uh, stretching and, and other things like that certainly uh, are not going to hurt um, guys I want to thank you I can't believe boy this hour just went by uh, yeah. incredibly quick um, Pete I want to give you an opportunity very quickly to uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out and then Brian Brandon and then uh, wrap it up with Brett sure Ted they can reach me at plainsimplegolf.com that's P-L-A-N-E is the plane uh, all of my contact information is out there and um, a bunch of other nice tidbits on the website. So if they want to get in touch with me, they can do that there. And um, I look forward to uh, talking to some of them. Some of them have reached out from the shows, which has been pretty cool. So um, it's it's, uh, it's a great venue. And I would like to say, too, thank you, Ted, for doing this. It's a, it's a great thing that you do. Well, I appreciate it. And I, you know, try to mix it up every, every week. And, and, um, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, let me just say very quickly and then Brian, I I don't want to cheat you out of your time and and Brandon and Brett, um, you know, as I said a moment ago, really what I try to do with this show is sort of a dual exchange of information. I want the, obviously the audience, which is our our average golfer out there uh, to hopefully take away something, 
but I also want to create an opportunity and a dialogue outside of you know traditional social media um, amongst the golf professionals. One of the the you know criticisms that I see, um, and we've all experienced this uh, on social media, is somebody puts out a great idea and certainly gets uh, uh, some interesting dialogue, but then somewhere along the line, the transition or the translation gets lost. And it ultimately ends up in sort of a bickering back and forth. And, and we don't want that here on the show. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I thank you guys for all that, that you do. Uh, and I appreciate, as I said uh, many, many times, uh, giving of your time here on the Coach's Corner panel. I know it's not always easy. So I thank you, Pete, uh, as well. Um, Brian, uh, for those that want to reach out, and uh, how can they do that? And, um, and then Brandon. Sure, Ted. Um, if anybody's here in the Northeast or anywhere in the country, I can be reached at uh, BrianDobbyPGA at yahoo.com. That's my email address. Um, if you're in the Northeast here in New Jersey, our golf season is wrapping up, but um, Montclair um, is um, going to celebrate its 125th anniversary in 2018, and I just want to Wow. Um, congratulate our director of golf, Mike Sterlicker. Mike's the national, uh, just won the national PGA merchandiser of the year award um, at our club. So I just wanted to shout out to Mike. It's uh, he's a great guy and he, it's a well-deserved award and all the Montclair members are so proud of him. So, um, um, and my phone number is uh, 908-531-3637. If anybody wants to call, I'd uh, love to hear from you. Ted, thanks for having me on the show again. It's always a pleasure to, to talk with you and um, all the guests. You know, I, I love being a guest, but I, I think I learned more from listening to all you guys. You guys were awesome. <laughs> thanks. Well, that's the that's the point of the show, Brian, and thank you always. I uh, appreciate it. Congratulations to Mike as well. Uh, for on his uh, greatest accomplishment um, but that's really the, also the point of, of the program as well as we, we need to uh, always uh, you know exchange some ideas and, and hopefully um, as you put Brian that we all from time to time certainly it's not going to happen every show but hopefully along the way we learn from one another and and maybe take away some ideas or some some uh, other considerations that maybe we haven't thought of uh, or would like to know more information and we can exchange uh, not only on the show, but even uh, when we leave the show. So it's great that as you put Pete, that you're getting some feedback. I, I really love that. Um, Brandon, how can the folks reach out to you? Yeah, Ted, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. I have a, I have a ton of fun um, with everybody. So I appreciate the opportunity. Everything that I have out there in the world, website, social media, everything is under Stooksbury golf. And so the email is stooksberrygolf at gmail. The website is stooksberrygolf.com, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Everything is under Stooksberry Golf. And so I'm always, uh, <laughs> always welcome of anybody to, uh, you know, to reach out and, uh, and, you know, ask uh, any questions they like. I'm always, always up for a conversation. Perfect. And very quickly, uh, Brandon, and then Brett, I'm going to go to you. Um, give us an update yep. on the, uh, the putter book. Yeah, thanks. Look, if, if all goes as planned, it'll be ready by Masters. That's the that's the plan. And so I'm hoping to to finish it up, you know, in the in the late winter, early spring and have it out, you know, sometime probably in March would be my hope. So we're we're tracking that way. We're looking good. Well, definitely let me know, and, and I'll make sure we give it uh, plenty of plugs uh, as it gets closer. But, uh, Brandon, thank you as well for giving of your time. I always appreciate and enjoy uh, the input that you give into the show as well. And keep up the great work in Georgia, 
and uh, congratulations uh, to you as well and Pete uh, for your recent uh, accolades in, uh, from Golf Digest. Uh, well, well deserved and well earned. Um, thanks, man. Brett, uh, thanks. You're welcome, Brett. Yep. Um, sorry. My turn. Yeah, Brett, go ahead and yeah, your turn. <laughs> okay. Last but not least. Um, and right, uh, let them know how they can reach out to you. Yeah, sure. First, I wanted to thank you for having me on all year. This was our fifth episode, and uh, it was a blast. I, I really enjoyed preparing and being on the show and sharing the mic with the professionals we had on today, Brandon, Pete, Brian. Uh, it was a great time. Thanks. Uh, so I wanted to make an offer out there for if there are any golf pros, teaching pros in New York City that are listening, that I'm offering my service to them, uh, for an assessment and physical training, complimentary. They just have to contact me. And the way they would contact me is nygolffitnessguru.com. Uh, all the ways you can contact me are supplied on that website. And one other point before we go, if you remember the last show, we talked about the special considerations for the over 50 golfer. I mentioned that I wrote an article, submitted it to Titleist, and um, I found out that it will be published within the next 48 hours. It's called Functional Strength and Power Training for the Senior Golfer and includes some pretty powerful videos of an 82-year-old client doing some amazing things in the gym. Uh, I'm very proud that it's going to be up on mytpi.com very soon. Perfect. Well well done. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely be looking for that uh, in the next couple mm -hmm. of days. Um, Brett, I appreciate you bringing this component uh, to the Coach's Corner panel all year as well. And I will have you back, of course, uh, many times next season as well to uh, even thank further you. the conversation. But guys, th thank you always, uh, as I said, giving of your time. I appreciate it very much, um, more than you realize. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'll be sending out the 2018 Coach's Corner schedule uh, to you guys uh, personally, but uh, also to the many other coaches that have been on the panel throughout the year. And hopefully we'll get some new ones as well to, to jump in the mix. Uh, and I guarantee we're going to have a lot of fun next year. I've got some great, uh, great things coming up in the new year, and uh, I will keep you posted. But thank you guys uh, for giving of your time, and have a great week. And if I don't uh, talk to you before, uh, either uh, personally or on social media, uh, have a very happy Thanksgiving to you and all of your family, and, and God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Thank, thank you, Ted. Good night, guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Good night Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guest on the Coach's Corner panel, uh, Pete Buchanan, uh, Brian Dobby, and Brandon Stukesbury, and, of course, special guest panelist, uh, Brett Cohen. All right. My next uh, guest, as we move along here, of course, has been on the show before. Uh, very good friend. And also, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, she's from New Jersey. And we're going to talk to her in just a moment. But let me just tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Pat Roquet, and she is the founder of Rock Your Golf, uh, dubbed the Rockstar Transformation Coach. Uh, Pat Roquet is a sought-after motivational speaker, business growth strategist, and author. And for nearly 30 years, her award-winning yet unorthodox career reflects a passion for connecting like-minded people who enjoy building forever friendships on and off the golf course. They call Pat the Tony Robbins of the golf world as she has published two books and numerous programs to empower women, students, and emerging leaders uh, to embrace golf as a lifelong business strategy. Uh, she's a global golf industry leader, active in uh, the women in golf industry. And in the New Jersey market, excuse me, Pat led the charge to have the governor declare June as Women's Golf Month. Uh, she leads a growing league of 637 members for the Women's Golf Association of New Jersey, and she was featured in an upcoming TV special about golf for the National Organization for Women. 
Our program has expanded to the Carolinas, Chicagoland, Salt Lake City, and even into Bermuda and St. Andrews, Scotland. Her blog, 50 Rocks, Life Lessons for Success, has impacted many thousands of lives, and through storytelling, she uses a box of rocks, yes, literally, uh, to transform her audience. Uh, Pat's Rock Your Golf system empowers leaders to appreciate their uh, unique gifts and channel their inner rock star. Uh, They learn to rock their business and their life without selling their soul or losing their mind. Uh, We can all use that. It's a collaborative tool where golf organizations, teaching pros, and fitness experts also leverage uh, her 90-day success program uh, uh, system uh, to attract a wider audience and transform their business into stronger year-round programs. And we must all give thanks to Pat and her collaborative industry partners, Every Women can embrace uh, this game of a lifetime. So let me welcome my very special guest, Pat Roquet. Hey, Ted. How Good are evening, you? Good evening, Pat. Hi. Well, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, happy my dear? Happy to be here. I am happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And obviously you had a fellow uh, uh Pro, a professional from New Jersey, Brian Dobby was on the show tonight from Montclair, and uh, yeah. he's a great, yeah he's a great guy, and um, he has been on the show many many times. He's been a guest as well as uh, on the panel, and uh, I always love Brian. He's a, he's a true gentleman and a great asset to the uh, to the sport. So I want to I want to talk about a number of things tonight. I know that there's some things specifically that you want to talk about. Um, but obviously you, you've been you've been pretty busy as I just read out here in, in the opening uh, <laughs> statements, um, and always a busy busy uh, young woman and uh, just do so much for the sport. But I want to ask you this: um, you know, we all are given talents and we develop them over time uh, into strengths that that benefit us in our lifelong journey. And I want you to maybe explain to the listeners, as you've taken your own journey in life, why it's important that we always lead with our strengths, um, because we have weaknesses too. We all have uh, some some challenges that we have a little bit more difficult time, but we should lead with our strengths. Why is that important? Ted, it's funny. This year has been one of intense revelation. I don't know if you know, but I lost my brother earlier this year to cancer mm. at 56, yeah. and um, it reminds us mm. painfully so that live every day with gratitude and that life is really short. So we deserve yeah. to honor the best in ourselves and to bring that forward to the world. So every day is a blessing. And isn't life better when you wake up in the morning and bounce out of bed because you're so looking forward to the things you're about to do versus if you've ever had those times and moments where it's the drudgery and that nauseated, sluggish, oh, my God, and you just want to roll over, put the pillow over your head, and never get out from under the covers <laughs> feeling. Um, right. I, I've done a lot of discovery this year and listening to a lot of people. You know, I've, my business is going to be 30 years old in February, which is a little bit crazy because I'm your age, so we were basically in diapers back then. But right. <laughs> I realized people were asking to grow business, except they were looking more like they needed a nap. <laughs> I, I saw right. the look of overwhelm and disgust more than excitement about what they were doing. <laughs> so I started to pay close attention and actually did some research and reflection on it. 
And I married my program up with a tool, a strength tool that now I've incorporated into the program. And as I was doing my homework, I learned 87% of people wake up, show up at work, and are disengaged, meaning they're physically there, but one foot or their mind halfway out the door, which is sad, Mm -hmm. really, really sad. So it's funny because I got a phone call in the spring, and I really thought it was like an Ashton Kutcher prank moment. It was somebody, an executive from KPMG, (laughs) you know, that little company that happens to sponsor Phil Mickelson and Tracy uh, Tracy Lewis and – Three years ago, I desperately had wanted to work with them when they purchased the rights to primary sponsorship of that LPGA tournament, and, and I couldn't get – nothing happened. That was not, not meant to be. So in this early spring, right. I got a phone call. Hi, this is so-and-so from KPMG. We hear that you excel in women and leadership in golf, and we want you to come in and empower our team. Can you help us? Which was hmm. pretty crazy. <laughs> And right, when, which is fantastic. Uh, of course, they said yes and then figured out what they actually wanted. Um, and they were talking about, you know, frustration at the office, and we listened to them about some of the, you know, very typical across all different size organizations, not specific to, to any one company, but that people were frustrated. They were feeling a little overwhelmed at work, and they were always apologizing for what they're not. And rocking your strengths, helps you really figure out your zone of genius, kind of your sweet spot, the things you do best, so that you can stop apologizing for what you're not and really enjoy what you do. So if you take that in the example of, you know, emerging leaders, women in the workplace, women in golf, how do they marry it together? We run a program to really help them understand how to lead with their strengths. And here's the secret. You ready? None of us yep. is supposed to be the all-perfect jack-of-all-trades. It's not supposed to be us as an individual that's great at everything. Our team right. is supposed to be great at everything. So collaboration is key. Delegation is key. And it's, I liken it in the golf example to why it's so much fun sometimes when you do the charity events and they'll have you just do a basketball outing. There's so much less stress. It's so much more fun. And everybody shows up good at something. Some days the driver's working, some days not so much. Some days the putting's on task, some days not so much. So um, just like you have 14 clubs in your golf bag, it seems that, I don't know about you, but for me personally, sometimes I'm more Mm -hmm. dialed into certain clubs than others. It's because I've spent the time and I'm – so comfortable with my three wood right now. I don't have to think about it. I know how to set up. I know what to do. And nine out of 10 times it goes straight forward in the air and where I want it, at least somewhat. So that's That's a sweet spot, right? So why am I going to struggle with the things that are so much harder when I can be in ease in my zone of genius? And that's about strength. And that's on the golf course and off the golf course. Yeah, and, and you raised some great points. Let me just say uh, very quickly uh, before we continue on, uh, my condolences to you uh, on the loss of your brother. Uh, I, too, actually uh, lost a brother earlier this year, so I know exactly um, how you feel, and that was very sudden for me. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it really allow, uh, causes you to sort of reflect on, on your own life and, and things like that uh, when, when those types of things happen. So uh, my thoughts and prayers to you and your family on, on that. Um, 
Thank you. You know, Jeff. something – you're welcome. Um, you know, Pat, something that uh, I, I want to very quickly mention. Uh, I had a guest on uh, probably about a month ago uh, who was a young lady, and you, she talked about really women in golf. And you, you mentioned something a moment ago about um, that sort of parallel. And something that she had noticed herself, uh, and I'll give you an example, and I'm sure you've experienced it through your journey, uh, and you've experienced it with many of the women that you've worked with, um, who maybe work in the corporate world, but when the annual golf tournament comes up, or um, maybe uh, an, a golf tournament designed to entertain clients, uh, a lot of times women are not included in the process to go out and play, um, but are maybe pushed aside to do some of the um, either the clerical or um, the support side of it. And a lot of women really want to get out there and play. So obviously, you know, you've taken the challenge, if you will, especially up in New Jersey and, and abroad, to really empower women to say, you know what, golf is an important business tool and golf is something that you need to have in, in your um, repertoire. So talk a little bit, if you don't mind, before we, we continue on, about what you've tried to instill in, in the women that you're working with and how important it is that they adapt golf and why they should? That's a great question. Um, thank you for asking it. And it's sometimes the thing you don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. I've mentioned it before, but I, I bears repeating. I was 45 years old. I had had a ski accident, was on crutches with a brace from my thigh to my ankle sitting in an office in New York City on a Friday, sunny afternoon with most of the seats empty, and I was cranky pants because I was trying to get through to someone, a high-level executive in the pharmaceutical industry, and I was having no luck and banging my head against the wall, frustrated as could be. Mm -hmm. And a manager of mine came up to me, asked me what was going on. I explained, and I said, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying to do the best I can, but Repeating the same thing is the definition of insanity, right? And expecting a different right. outcome. And she said mm -hmm. to me, well, you're going to play golf. And I looked at her like she had three heads and asked her, which part do you <laughs> not see the crutches or the brace? Because I am 45, right. 20 pounds overweight. I'm not an athlete. I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. So I don't know mm -hmm. what you're smoking, but there's just no way. I wasn't even huh. really interested in it. <laughs> And she's the right. first person who actually forced me to pay attention and listen for a conversation that, that showed me the light of spending some quality time with this person. So she made me, she, she pointed me in the right direction and told me an organization, an industry group that she was involved in that I could go get involved in, that there was an outing coming, which I would not have known, and to go find out what committee she was on and join the committee. So my first mm -hmm. experience in golf, especially golf for business, besides, you know, putt-putt when I was a little kid, and mini golf, right. was not only <laughs> I was on crutches, I was working on the gift baskets for the tricky tray for the, you know, for during the outing. I was the finger. I'm not even right. a good bow tire. I was the finger to tie the gift basket <laughs> <laughs> and prepare for this charity event. And it's funny, but I got to spend 10 hours of quality time with this woman before we ever got to the event. And then my mentor told me about khaki shorts and how long or short they had to be and to go get one of those crazy collared now polo shirts. I have a zillion, but at the time I didn't own one. And right. how to dress, how to show up. 
she started me with some of the language, and she gave me this primer that was completely invaluable. Her name is Sue Gibson. I am forever indebted because if she hadn't coerced me into realizing that I actually was missing out, I didn't know what I was missing. I knew I was missing out, but I didn't know the whole picture. And ever since that day, I became um, kind of uh, addicted. It's, you know, a scary but true word. I've grown more and more fond of the sport. And, again, I'm not a super great athlete. I have broken 100 four times in my life. Four, not 40, not every four days, four. And that just means I'm average. But you know what? I show up and I teach people how and why you can change their world and how to get involved even before you know how to play at all, even before you play well. Because showing up, acting the part, helps you get invited. And literally, I've helped people become members of boards of directors because of their affiliation through golf. I've helped people get promotions and raises and find husbands and all kinds of crazy things because it's truly the game of a lifetime that will grow your circle of friends forever. It's a great place to spend quality time away from the cell phone. Nobody's looking for you. It's you, the fresh air, the sunshine, the trees, and whoever you're out there with. And there's nothing quite like it. I mean, some people use boating or maybe other vices like that, lovely things. And so sometimes I'll use the parallels. But for me, golf became that magical place. And I I feel indebted to, to pass that on. Yeah, and that's the great, great answer, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, a lot of women are starting to realize, and I know you see this in, in your endeavors, uh, are starting to understand the value of golf. It's not just a game. It's not even just a, a business tool, but it's an opportunity really um, to help you even with your everyday life. And a lot of people might sit and scratch their head, well, I don't understand that. But if you think about the game in its entirety, you are literally overcoming obstacles out in the golf course. The purpose of of golf is to navigate the course in the few strokes possible. That's obviously the lower the score, the better. Uh, Unlike some sports where the higher the score is, the better. Golf, it's the opposite. But while you're out in the golf course, traditionally, if you play a traditional game of, of a round of 18 holes, the idea is to navigate each hole in the few strokes possible. But to make it a little bit more challenging, of course, the golf course throws up a few bunkers here and there, maybe a lake, a creek, or out of bounds, or what have you. And if you parallel that with life, life is the same thing. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in school or whether you're uh, in your first job or you're in a, a well-established career. There are always going to be challenges and hurdles that are going to, you're going to face. And I think that if you're able to navigate those challenges both in life and the golf course, then you become a, a more rounded, uh, rounded, well-rounded excuse me, uh, person, I believe. And I think this is something that women, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, are starting to realize that this is an opportunity for them to further themselves. You gave some great examples. A lot of women have been able to further their careers by adapting uh, and adopting golf as part of um, their, not necessarily daily routine, but part of their life because it opens doors that maybe otherwise might not have been opened because as you and I both know, 
for years and years, men have used golf as a very successful business tool, but it's something that has really eluded a lot of women. Um, so obviously you've done a lot of research and you and I both understand that utilizing your strengths, as we talked about a moment ago, uh, is extremely important. So talk about how you help some of the people that you're working with, how you generally help them leverage those strengths and uh, in, in to be able to improve their performance both on and off the golf course. Well, it's interesting because, first of all, when people think about their strengths, they often guess wrong, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the, your real innate talent are the things that you do like breathing. You almost don't realize that you're gifted because it comes completely and utterly naturally to you. It's the things you instinctively or viscerally, um, how you viscerally react to the world, which is good. So when you're in flow, I know the days I've hit my very best rounds or performed the best in other things, that's when things come with flow and ease and grace. You're not struggling. You're not sitting praying over the golf ball and thinking about the 87 things. Tuck here, do this, loosen the grip, do this, straight arms back, no bend your arm, no this way. You know, it's, you stop thinking meticulously about the minutia and you let it flow and let your muscle memory and your confidence, having practiced before, come into play and work with ease and grace. And when you fumble, when something goes amiss, you don't blow up and get frustrated and throw your clubs or get angry or, you know, curse, what have you. You put a smile and say, you know what, I have a club for that. And you have solutions that you're already knowing that you can manage and you can trust so that if I land behind a tree, I know that depending when I get there, I might be able to hit far and, you know, sneak through a hole between a couple of trees or I might have to punch it back out backwards or I might have to, take a penalty and and have the ball move or whatever I need to do. But I have options. And knowing confidently that we have good options and we get to choose is an important survival mechanism. It helps keep our cortisol levels lower, our stress levels Mm -hmm. down. You don't take yourself quite so seriously. This is not life and death, folks. It's not. And you and I went through life and death this year. So when you are literally playing that game, and then you step out of it into the, real, the more normal, like leave the hospital and step back into the normal world, um, it gives you such a humbling and different view because the little things that would, would annoy you before are not so annoying. The little nice things people do are so much more appreciated. They're magnified 100 times over. And you put things in perspective. So one of the tricks with golf, right, is that, I'm going to say the word 100. A golf pro is going to shoot much lower and a brand-new golfer is going to shoot much higher. But let's just pick 100 for sake of argument. On any given Mm -hmm. round of golf, I may have 100 chances to make a mistake or to do better. And inevitably, I'm going to do plenty of each. But my husband Mm -hmm. used to say, he teases me, and he'll say, you know what, a a broken clock is right twice a day because, (laughs) you know, even (laughs) every now and then you come up with this magnificent, beautiful shot that just hits perfectly. It's done with ease. The ball sails, and people go, wow. And you look and think, who just did that? And then realize, oh, my God, it was me. 
It's so much fun. And then you want to go back for more. So you get this chance to reinvent yourself. And the trick is with mindset, and I know you've had all kinds of coaches that talk about mindset. It's about breathing. It's about taking in that fresh air. It's about gratitude for just being alive, being able to walk, being able to have friends, being able to afford to be there, being present in the moment and knowing that none of this is so bad. So even if I've completely and utterly just disgraced myself with whatever I think is my worst scenario on this hole or this ball, it doesn't matter because I get to brush myself off and I get to start again a minute and a half later. And let's see what excitement comes on the other side of that fairway. So it's, 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 you know, the most fun, most forgiving and yet unforgiving game all rolled into one because you really do get to have resilience and reinvent yourself over and over and over. You know, it's, it it reminds me golf sales and parenting have very similar Mm -hmm. characteristics. I find them to be three of the most, humbling, yet rewarding, yet challenging, yet fun. There's a, all those words describe all of those three things to me. You know, they put you in situations you never thought you'd be in. And some days it's great. And some days you're like, I've got to get my head examined. What on earth am I doing? I'm not a pro. Why am I here on this mountain? <laughs> you know, but right, right. Exactly. A joy. It's a joy that is hard to describe unless you're out there. Pat, let me ask you, um, just in, in, in continuation of, of this particular um, segment, you know, you, you noted a couple things here that I, I want you to maybe talk a little bit about, and I'm just going to mention a few things. Um, these are some notes that you had sent to me, because um, I find them very interesting. A lot of people may not realize this, but, you know, golf, one thing that golf has done particularly, and I'm going to use, obviously, um, the theme that we started with, and that was, of course, women, um, has really helped shatter as you put the grass ceiling which i thought was kind of interesting and really has helped to serve uh, really as a catalyst to empower women in leadership roles and you talked about that a moment ago and one of the things that that golf has done for for everybody is obviously to help develop uh, as i said as a business tool to our networking skills and golf is one of the very few sports that allows you to do that and you included in this um segment here, you, you talk a little bit about some of the information that other organizations have sort of put together, and, and you're, you're quoting them here. And I'm going to read out a couple things, and then I want you to, to expand a little bit. But in a recent mm-hmm. survey, you talked about um, the EWGA, which is the Executive Women Golf Association, that there was a, a survey among its members, and eight out of ten respondents agree that they can get to know a person better on the golf course. And 73% say that golf has helped them develop new relationships uh, 62% credit golf with helping them try new things. So this is something that obviously that organization, and I know you have as well, um, have done a lot of research to see some of the benefits that derive from golf uh, for women. And then obviously you put down here, conversely, um, a Catalyst research study found that 46% of women surveyed noted exclusion from informal networks as the biggest impediment to being able to reach some of their career goals, and golf was cited as one of these networks. So obviously, not only the organizations, but as I mentioned, you as well, have, have recognized the importance of golf um, as not just a game, but a way for people to communicate with one another that ultimately can help uh, personal relationships, but also business relationships. 
And these organizations obviously uh, do that quite well. And this is something that you're trying to get across to the people that you're working with, correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And talk you know about – yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, ask me. No, go ahead. I, I guess the question is what have you found in some of your study – and some of your networking that you've done over these last several years, particularly, um, and what are some of the response that you've had from women, particularly that you've been working with, um, a ones that haven't gotten into golf yet, what has been some of the resistance and what has been on the positive side, some of the empowerment that you've experienced not just for yourself, but for some of the people that you've working with now that they're involved in it and recognize the advantages? That's a great question. Um, so first of all, part of this, this, the secret to the success here is knowing your goals around golf and finding a match, getting in the game in an area, in a situation that's going to resonate and make you comfortable and happy. So I started, I was in a work environment. I was sick of being left behind. I used to torture my husband because he had jet season tickets and he played golf. So he had two (laughs) lovely, fun things to do that were without me and the kids, and they were many, many hours at a shot. So he had a fun weekend life, and I was home with my kids or running them to practice for this and that. So when I went shopping around to start getting involved, um, there's very different flavors to organizations and golf pros have their own different approaches. So one of them Mm -hmm. is just understanding your goals. So I'm now in Myrtle beach. I have a second location and I am now working. I've got a new sponsor, Lori's golf shop, which is a global amazing golf retailer that I'm now working with. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about it. So the getting left behind in the Carolinas is often less about although I'm working with major corporation and their diversity and inclusion program has 60,000 people in it. And we're talking about things like this. Mm. So in that respect, it's helping shatter the glass ceiling and society of human resource managers has approved my programs for credit. So HR people get continuing education, their professional development credits because they need Mm -hmm. to be trained on tools and tactics for leadership, shattering the glass ceiling, diversity, inclusion, communication, client relations, and golf does those things. So on the one hand, those buckets of, of need are being called to the forefront because with all the craziness that's gone on in the political environment, the empowerment of women right. and the importance of diversity and inclusion has been dialed up. So companies are putting effort behind it. There's women leadership groups at almost every corporation. So I'm hot in demand from that, and they want to know a lot about golf because it is an equalizer. It is the best career insurance policy. Now, yeah. I flipped, so yeah. I'm talking, you know, a client in Charlotte, North Carolina, a big corporation, headquarters, fabulous. Right down the road, and I'm working with, you know, this retailer that's got locations all over, a few locations <clears throat> domestically, but doing a global online business. And the needs of our audience there is actually different because even though – Um, Many of them have worked. Many of them are now retired or no longer working or just choose not to work, whichever. But they're using golf for their social. They're using golf for their charity fundraising. So whether they're supporting their school, their church, their uh, friends of animals, 
organizations. Golf is the number one way, number one contributor to charity in the world. And la- every year they do about $4 billion with a B dollars to charity, right? So yeah. that's from the yep. PGA and the professional tours all the way down to the local schools and temples and churches and friends of animals and all these other things and everything in between. So the women that we're supporting in those environments, they're not necessarily thinking in the corporate America glass ceiling or shattering the glass ceiling terms, but they move into communities where they live in golf laden communities on golf courses. And either they're going to learn the language and get comfortable or they are literally going to be left behind by their spouse, by their friends. It's very hard. So um, part of the way we focus the dialogue for those folks, and I'm actually creating, by the way, two more books. One of them is going to be the rock your golf for women. So definitely a pink, you know, a ladies version with more lady stuff in it blatantly and not necessarily for business. (laughs) And the other one's going to be a student version, emerging leader slash student, because the college kids are all asking me, asking me, which I'm so excited. So, you know, if you're a college student or a high school student at the beginning of your journey, it's a great way to get noticed by universities. It's a great way to even get into college. There's millions of dollars Mm -hmm. in unclaimed scholarships. You don't even have to be a good high school golfer or the best you know, with football and some of the more popular sports, you've got to be so stellar. It's almost a numbers game impossible to be picked up yep. at that level. But for golf, there, there's money left on the table. There's money that's not being donated because there's scholarships that are not claimed. So it's yeah, different you're... for those people. It's different for the retired or the people who live in, you know, whether they're in the villages down in Florida or they're in, out in, out in Arizona mm-hmm. or they're in the Carolinas. Um, so their, their need for inclusion is somewhat different. So some of it, you can imagine there's overlap and yet some of the things we'll talk about are slightly different. That's one of the reasons I actually built, um, the rock your golf started as a workshop and then it became a workshop with a book and then it became a workshop with a book. I've launched, um, an online rock your golf, an online Academy and a Mm -hmm. membership site because the women are asking for a sense of belonging. They want a little community where they can log in Mm -hmm. and check in and learn new things. We can have golf pros of all sorts. So whether it's the four different gentlemen that were just on before, I know Brian Dobby will absolutely um, participate. He's awesome. He actually has hosted events for me and for my golf organization at the Montclair club. So um, Mm -hmm. totally awesome. And it's a way to help golf pros expand their circle with this coveted audience. And it's a way to help women figure out their why, what's important to them, and then how to find the help they need and the level of involvement that's going to feel good. Because golf could be putting in your basement. Golf could be uh, going to a meetup. I've got a meetup, um, like a happy hour, and I will be with HR diversity and inclusion people from Fortune 100. There's, Conica Minolta, KPMG, Benjamin Moore, Sharp Electronics, Stryker, Helmetica, I mean, all major hospital systems. And it's just a happy hour to say hi and have a little holiday, Friendsgiving holiday happy hour. But it started Mm. because I did a workshop and I got a couple of them to start playing golf and then they got a couple more to start playing golf. And all of a sudden, we actually had to build more leagues because KPMG, for example, brought me dozens of women 
We put a feeler out once, and we got dozens of women on just the first shot who wanted to come in and play right now. So understand your why, understand your goals, and then find um, groups online, offline. You know, there's indoor simulators. We've got places cropping up. We had a couple now. We just opened a few more in recent months. So there's places to go and practice that are not scary, not threatening. You can use it like a driving range or you can change the simulator settings and pretend you're playing Pebble Beach or, you know, some of these beautiful courses. It's mm-hmm. a social and business insurance policy. It's a place for lifelong friends and just get clear on your goals and then find a way to um, bring a friend, which is always cool. And then we mm-hmm. help them make sure they're comfortable. Even I belong to EWGA in Northern New Jersey and I belong to Women's Golf Association. The Women's Golf Association, when I was on last year, we were at 500-something members, Ted. We're at 637. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That's crazy. That's fantastic. It's, you yeah, know, less than a year, you we're know, 20% growth. It's crazy. Let me tell you uh, just a very quick uh, little thing, and then, then I want to uh, give you an opportunity to talk about some of the, the expansion programs that you're running. Um, sure. Speaking of New Jersey, um, you know, obviously I review uh, a lot of the, the stats and, and things for the show and New Jersey is among the highest in the nation of people that tune into this program, which is very interesting. Um, obviously I know it's a, a large population area and of course New York uh, as well, but uh, New Jersey has uh, among uh, probably the top five of all the states in the U.S., uh, some of the highest numbers of listeners that tune into the show. So thank you to all of you out in New Jersey. Um, I, as I was just leading up to, you are doing some global expansions. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Lots of fun. Um, let's see. I started the year off playing in a Hickory Golf Tournament which was my first adventure into the world of Hickory. I bought knickers in the whole nine yards, and I ended up coupled with the golf pro from St. Andrews, you know, that little place in Scotland, the home of golf. Yep. And so we ended up with a conversation, and he's looking to convert my program into German and teach it in the U.K., Germany, Europe, craziness. But um, really, really cool. So – that was that. We're talking to, you know, the global golf um, head of golf tourism for Bermuda has asked me would I create programs as an ambassador for Bermuda and golf and tourism, uh, kind of like what Nancy Lopez is doing um, from the, yes. you know, links for leaders from the business side. And it's funny, I got a chance to meet Lancy, Nancy Lopez and have a photo of her holding up my book, which was really, that was exciting. Um, Very cool. I have lo- opened a second location in Myrtle Beach. I have created affiliate programs. So it's about helping golf pros engage. I know the secrets to engaging women. So we've been getting mm-hmm. calls. You know that I've been working with Owen Stevens and the group out in Chicago. He's been my, he's a master certified master teaching professional, part of that elite 1% yep. um, out in mm-hmm. Chicago. So big plans in and about Chicago land. And then I've expanded. There's a program out with a golf pro named Chip Thorpe, Salt Lake City, Utah, and teaching him how to engage women leadership. And so Rock Your Golf is 
in the South, it's in the Midwest, it's out in Utah even, which is another reason, if you think mm. about it, why is it so important to have my academy, my online program, and these other ways to engage? Because you can stay sharp and think and enjoy golf even if you're not necessarily outside in your shorts all year round playing. Right. So it's meant for keeping people engaged all seasons, all year round. Um, I know that um, I introduced you to Gianna Rojas, so the Adaptive Golfers Program or not-for-profit that I sit on the board of, um, I don't know if you know this, we now have an Adaptive Golf section at the PGA show coming up. There is a whole section, content, workshops, and show floor dedicated to Adaptive Golfers, including Demo Day. So that's huge. Um, Very cool. Yeah, actually, actually, Gianna sent me an email uh, earlier today, uh, letting me know about that. So yeah, that's very cool. That's a, that's a, a huge, huge boost for her, I'm sure, and for that whole community to be recognized. That's a diner conversation a year ago. It's crazy that it's so yeah. fast. Oh, oh yeah, Tuesday's Giving Tuesday. I, I'll throw up the shameless plug. AdaptiveGolfers.org is the not-for-profit 501c3, and they absolutely welcome. Um, Giving Tuesday donations, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And Mm -hmm. also we started a program so you can do Amazon Smile, if you know what that is. You can register Adaptive Golfers as your charity of choice and a small percentage of your purchases on it. It doesn't cost you anything, but a small percentage of your purchases goes to charity, and you can choose Adaptive Golfers as your charity of choice. So making progress there. Um getting calls from places like in Myrtle beach, I got a call from the head of the golf directors association. So all of the golf leaders in that region are asking me to come in and we're going to sit down and powwow about how do we take these programs and shake the trees a little bit and apply what we've learned. Um, I had a call today with quad, which is a really cool, if you've ever heard of them, they've got um, motorized golf carts. And golf fitness. Yes. So I was listening to the gentleman before. Um, love the product, and I'm going to be working with them. And again, now taking the Rock Your Golf, and part of it is having this resource with Lori's Golf Shop, where we'll be able to bring people, no matter what part of the country they're in. Literally, I teach them. I've always given the free golf equipment checklist and things, but now we're going to actually be able mm-hmm. to go in and do video and Facebook Live and show people. This is what's supposed. This is how you choose the golf bag, and this is what's supposed to be in it. And I'm going to tell you why that's so funny. I right. had um, a corporate, an attorney in in New Jersey who hired me as I do golf concierge work. So I'll do one-on-one coaching with someone, and she was invited mm-hmm. to play a round of golf with some really high-value prospective clients, and she had taken. Um, she had participated in Women's Golf Day in New Jersey, and she had taken the Get Golf Ready, you know, that, like, $100 couple of lesson package that, that PGA puts out. So she had right. had a little bit of experience, just a little. She knew enough to go buy a cute outfit, and she showed up, and I was literally taking her in the car and teaching her how to pull up to the golf course. She didn't know what a bag drop was. <laughs> I mean, literally from the beginning. Think about that if you don't know. Right. Now, this is a lawyer. She's a right. smart cookie. But it was new to her, right. and she knew enough to ask, which is really smart. Um, and it was cute because 
So she pulled up. She had a nice outfit on. She had a Callaway set that, you know, our sponsor up here, had. she went and got a good deal. We helped her get a good deal on buying some clubs. So she has this nice bag of Callaway. She's got a nice outfit. I help her get out. I show her how to drop the clubs. I'm teaching her how to pull it out and load it in the golf cart. She's never seen a golf cart. She didn't know how to drive one. I taught her how to drive it. And I said, what do you have in your pockets? And she said, I don't know. That's a really good question. What are all those pockets for? And so she had the golf bag, but it was empty. (laughs) Empty. (laughs) Not a tee, not a ball, not a glove. It was empty, Ted. So I, at that point, you know, it dawned on me, you know what? She can't be the only, this is a smart cookie, that she cannot be the only one who is totally confused on what they're supposed to do. So I literally went through my bag one pocket at a time and I showed her, I gave her the golf equipment checklist. It's in my book and in the Rock Your Golf Planner. And I pulled it out and I showed her what each of those things was, were, excuse me. And then I gave her a couple of my balls. I gave her some tees. I showed her the kind that I like. I like those plastic ones, the four feet longer because you, you never have to yeah. guess about how you tee up. It's always, that's one given, right. standard, stable, uh-huh. non-changing factor. Love it. Anything to take guesswork yep. out for me is good. So I showed her, <laughs> I gave her a handful of stuff. I said, all right, I want you to take these into the store, and I want you to say, can you give me enough of these? I need packages of this and this and this. And I showed her everything, why I kept an extra pair of socks. I showed her my watch. I showed her you know, the things she had to have and the things that she could work on later. And I talked to her about shoes because she had this really funky, expensive pair of shoes on, but they were not actually golf shoes. They were not waterproof. Mm -hmm. So Mm. taught her about the waterproof rating and why, even on a dry, sunny day, um, I had had the experience of going out onto a golf course and having – um, they turned the sprinklers on because it was so beautiful and so dry and it hadn't rained for days and days. And how come now I need a waterproof shoes because all of a sudden now the sprinklers were on right. as I was out on the hole. <laughs> I was already out. Like right. I had to go through the water. <laughs> and so it's the things you don't think about. And that to me was an <clears throat> eye opener on why do we, you know, why this relationship with Lori's golf is so cool, why it's going to be so important because for the, I call it the front nine and the back nine, by the way, um, the front mm-hmm. nine is where we help people with the basics, the language of it, with the layout of a golf course, you know, a bunker and a sand trap. What's the fairway? Why do they call the rough the rough? There's a name. There's a reason, right, Ted? <laughs> and right, how, right, you know, exactly. the sand is typically much less sand in the, you know, the fairway bunkers all the way out farther away from the hole. But when you get close to the hole, they're deeper and there's more sand. Like none of that is common sense. It might be for you, but for a new person, it's totally not. So that's all important. So the front nine is the beginner stuff, and then the back nine goes beyond beginner, you know, talking about scoring and handicap and registering Mm -hmm. with the gin handicap and and just the more developed concepts. You know, if you start talking about the handicap to someone who's never even stepped foot, you're going to blow their mind and scare them to death. You know, that's a very interesting um, point to make because you're, you're exactly right, and, and it's great that you've put something together to help because for all new golfers, male or female, um, this is something that a lot of them 
don't know if they've never played the game before. They've maybe, you know, not even watched it on television or they've seen it in passing or they've heard about it, but they don't know what the, the, the proper conduct, if you will, once they get to the golf course, they don't know what to bring. They don't know, um, you know, as you said, so you provided a checklist and I like that because half the battle with new students is teaching them and helping them to understand what golf's all about. It's not just about navigating around the course and, and, um, you know, as I talked about earlier, it, it's about how to handle themselves once they get to the golf course, as you said, where they drive up to drop the bags off, um, so on and so forth, how, you know, what they should have in, in the golf bag besides the clubs. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that. And it's very, you know, it's very embarrassing and very intimidating. And I'm sure that you've had plenty of people tell you this, uh, and especially women, you know, that have never played the game before, drive up and they get into the pro shop and there's a set of eyes looking at them and they don't know what to do. They're very nervous and they're very uncomfortable. So having that information up front is invaluable. And even, as you said, even a very well-educated woman who's an attorney and, you know, you might have doctors and things like that that have never played before, um, it's new territory for them. I mean, you ask them about, you know, a certain procedure at the hospital, they can probably tell you with their eyes closed and their hands tied behind their back but you ask them about certain protocol on a golf course if they've never stepped foot on one and they probably couldn't answer you um so it's great that you're you know what i'm saying so it's great that you're educating them um before they even get to the golf course um and and that you're doing all of these different programs i also really like the fact too that uh, just to give you an additional plug is the fact that you have the the rock on success academy um, you talked about the, you know, having an online version a, as well. And what's really uniquely, I think, important about that as well is there are a lot of people that, you know, want, people will generally want a sense of community. And you've created an environment for not only maybe people who've played uh, some golf or a lot of golf, but again, for some of those newbies that haven't, uh, an area that they can go and get more information. And I think once they tap into that resource um, just like you pointed out earlier in the show is the sort of addictive nature takes over we get you know as we learn more things it, it just it, it becomes mind-boggling we start thinking wow what else is and then they sign on again maybe tomorrow or next week or whatever the case is and there's something new there or maybe somebody shares a story from a different area in the United States um, but maybe it's a similar story to what they're experiencing. So now they can exchange that information and collaborate with one another and learn things from you at the same time. So I, th- I like the fact that you've done that and created that platform. Um, it's fun too, but think about you know, this, Ted, too, when you're traveling. So somebody right. wanted to know, you know, one of our northern people was heading down to Disney, but they didn't want to play, you know, where can I find a place to play that's in this region that does this or what's a place that has absolutely wonderful food in the restaurant because I'm taking a client who has food allergies and I need to know that they'll be attentive or, you know, those kinds of things too. So it's not just, it's not just the, again, I'm not the golf teaching pro, but right. you mentioned before about when they go in the pro shop, do you know how many people don't know there is such a thing as a pro shop? They don't even know that it's there or what it's called. So we literally also have right. a checklist and I have an ebook out things like what to do, what to ask to call the pro shop and what to ask the pro shop person before you go to the course to play. 
Is mm-hmm. it private or public? Is there a dress code, any special dress code? Where Will there be lockers? Should I change my shoes in the car and come in with my shoes, or do I carry them in a bag and am I required? Is there tipping policy, or what is the tipping policy? Because we've had, you know, um, yep. a local government official, they called it, but it was basically a starter at one of the county courses who lost his job because he was accepting tips. You know, that's considered bribing a county official, if you can possibly imagine. But understanding, or or in my town, I've right. got two golf courses two miles away. One's called Preakness Hills and one's called Preakness Valley. Now, if you don't know the difference, you're going to say Preakness, if you remember that, and that's what you're going to know. And Preakness Hills is a very exclusive, high-end, magnificent, private country club in every sense of the word. And Preakness mm-hmm. Valley is our county county golf course where I'm sadly seeing people in jeans at times and you can just about anything goes. I'll just say that it's a lot. Right. We just got a new PGA pro running it. So I'm going to tell you it's undergone dramatic improvement and they've updated the restaurant and they've added different bunkers and changed some of the slope and rating of the course. And they've really done a great job improving it. But my point is somebody who doesn't know and says, I'm going to Preakness. Well, that's like night and day. So Right. There is such a thing as a pro shop to call ahead. How about all the new construction? They they changed the names of roads. And have you ever tried to get into a golf course and you're driving around the perimeter for half an hour in New Jersey traffic? I know I have <laughs> because they've changed the names of roads. So Route 209 is now Robert F. Kennedy Boulevard. I'm making this up, but let's just say. Right. You know, no, it's a, right. a numbered highway is now a person's name and you're plugging in the wrong thing and it's not recognized on your GPS and you can't get in and you're circling and circling and circling. So it's literally part of the one of the ebooks that's included in the course is the etiquette up to and including how to call ahead. And for that lawyer, by the way, she said, oh, my God, they asked me to go eat after. What do I do? What do I wear for that? And I said, okay, so this is what you do. Ask them where they'd like to eat. And then call that restaurant and we'll figure it out. Is it a BYOB? Should you be bringing their favorite adult beverage? Or is it non-alcoholic? Does any of the people there have a food allergy or an alcohol challenge? You know, there's all different reasons people do and don't do different things. But those pieces of etiquette play into it as much as how you're going to hit the ball. Or how about this? My husband would say to me, don't stand in my line. And he taught me not to be in front and he taught me not to step on the ground between, you know, his ball and the, and the cup on the green. I understood that. That was, that made sense. And I'm standing behind him one day and I'm whispering to my friend and he's like, I told you not to stand in my line. And I said, but I'm not, but I was. So (laughs) you don't know that the line is, is your peripheral vision in front and in back. It's not just the visible, the physical line on the green. Right. So, as much as I thought I respected what he told me, I thought I understood what he told me. As a mature, successful business person, I still didn't get it, and somebody needs to do that. Or with the women's stuff, one of the ladies said to me, always ask if there's going to be a beverage cart or what you do with food and beverage, and also if where the restrooms are, things like that, because sometimes there's hours in between restrooms. For the ladies, you never know. So it's it's questions and things that might all seem little, but they're little if they're taken care of. They're not little if you're suddenly out there, you've got wet feet, you need to use the restroom, and you're an hour away 
from the next one. You know, that's you're, not good. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And you know, this is really, in all fairness, this is a criticism that I have with a lot of golf courses is they are not very, you know, if it's a members course, obviously most of the members that have been there for a little while know the, the routine and that. Um, and obviously new members, most of the time they'll get a sort of a walk around or a tour of the facility. But for some of your, your other courses that are open to the public, um, you know, a lot of times that information, you know, isn't made available unless they ask. And if you don't know the right questions to ask, it can be a very daunting experience. And people might say, well, you know, you're in the clubhouse, um, you know, restrooms are marked and things like that. But what do you do when you're, you know, on hole number seven? You know, people don't know where to go. And, you know, it's not always, uh, in, in some cases it is, but a lot of cases on the scorecard, uh, you don't see anywhere where there's a restroom posted. So you don't know, you know, so do I drive all the way back to the clubhouse or is there somewhere else, uh, another facility that's located somewhere else on the golf course that I need to go to? So they're valid questions. Uh, and also what's, you know, again, you've got the cart girl coming around. What's the appropriate way to, to, to deal with, uh, you know, with her or him or whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of questions that, you know, your average golfer might have. And I like the fact that you've um, really done something that the industry uh, needs to do, in my opinion, a better job. Um, Pat, I know we've got so many things, and I hate to say this, but our time is almost up. It was probably the, one of the fastest hours. I know, it Ted. <laughs> I know. And it I know there's a lot together, of other things Ted. that you probably wanted to talk about, but I want to give you an opportunity um, to just let the folks know, obviously, you've got a lot of information uh, available, a lot of exciting things that you're doing. So just uh, point the, uh, the listeners in the direction where they can go to get more information, your website and that sort of thing, and maybe uh, if you've got anything up and coming here in the next uh, little bit that you want to make them aware of. Well, sure. Thank you for that. So the, I tried to make this really simple, and it was funny because I was speaking with my, um, my online business manager, and I said, when we do these things, we need to make it simple because when I'm on Ted's podcast, I have to be able to say it so people can follow and go to it. Right. So nothing complicated. <laughs> so I literally, um, the, the academy is the Rock On Success. It's rockonsuccess.com forward slash Academy, and that is where Rock Your Strength, my Rock Your LinkedIn, because don't forget, you and I met through LinkedIn through golfers. I mean, I've made so many friends yep. in and around the world of golf through groups in LinkedIn that that's always been a very mm -hmm. popular piece. So there's the individual courses, including Rock Your Golf, but the simplest thing is just to go to rockyourgolf.com, and that will actually take you directly into the golf program in my online academy we're just launching the membership um, piece of it so now when people join they will get access to not only the front nine and back nine the content but they will get access to a private facebook group where they will be able to make friends learn about golf here and around the world they'll be able to grow grow their skills grow their friendships grow their confidence and really learn to embrace this with a lifelong love and a lifelong respect and apply it, you know, whether it's for business, whether it's for social, but to rock their business and their life on and off the golf course. So again, rockyourgolf.com is the site. And what I've done is I have um, created, I put it down to a very special um, Discount. So the course is normally 497, 
and I have it running for two ninety seven as a courtesy. We're gonna we're gonna keep it low and I want people to be able whether they want to buy the book for twenty dollars and use it as a stocking stuffer for Hanukkah, you know, Christmas or a Hanukkah gift, or mm-hmm. whether um, <clears throat> for me, I would imagine I don't need another pocketbook. Honestly, the biggest gift my right. husband ever gave me was him investing in me to get familiar and get in the game, and not let him try to teach me. Because you asked me what the biggest obstacle is. It's frustration mm-hmm. because people don't want to be embarrassed. It's the fear of being embarrassed and the frustration of trying to do this on your own and being embarrassed. <laughs> so yes, you're, created exa- you're exactly right. So you are never alone. There's always ways to grow it and do more. You know that. But I will teach yep. you the questions to ask if you're in interviewing golf pros. It's also the place, because you've got a ton of pros listening I love working with other people. You know that, Ted. I love collaborating. There is definitely an affiliate program so that anybody who touches the world of golf who would like to have a brainstorm like I just did with the guy from Quad Golf today and like Lori's Golf Shop is now, lorisgolfshop.com is now, there's uh, ROCK20 is the code for that, R-O-C-K-20. So, We're having discounts for the holidays. We're having gift giving for the holidays. People are crazy if they don't think about instead of buying material things that they may or may not really need, they can ask for or gift the gift that will change their life. And that's what golf, the game of golf was for me, and that's what I am trying to make available to others. So um, my email, if somebody needs to reach me directly, is pat at, rockonsuccess.com. That's Pat, P-A-T, at rockonsuccess.com. Or they can go learn about the online course on the membership at rockyourgolf.com. That's rockyourgolf.com. And we have uh, a very modest entry price and or a monthly 36 bucks a month. I made it really, really a no-brainer. You're crazy not to do it if you're at all thinking about it because the insight will shorten your learning curve by years and save you time, money, and aggravation. We'll help you figure out your equipment, hook up with pros who can help you, whether it's for the fitness. I just had somebody volunteer. They have a friend that does golf yoga. will absolutely speak. I've got a, a new facility opening in Bergen County. They've got um, Jim Beadle and Jim LaFrat, who's a TP, uh, TPI level three guy, We've got all kinds of stuff going on. So um, Giving Tuesday for AdaptiveGolfers.org. But really, it's just RockYourGolf.com or Pat at RockOnSuccess.com. I'd love to collaborate. This is a way to help people grow the game if you're a pro or a facility looking to engage a bigger audience, perhaps women as leaders or students. I'm even working with the, the headquarters of a global sorority. And we're going to try getting them Perfect. to embrace this. How cool would that be? Very good. Well, Pat, as always, thank you very much for, for joining me on Golf Talk Live. It's uh, always a pleasure when you come on and you've got lots of great things that you're working on. And uh, much continued success, my friend. And I look forward to you coming and joining me again. And, and please, as always, keep me in the loop. I will. And when are we going to play golf, Ted? That's what I want to know. We need to get something on the calendar. I know. I get, Listen, i got to find the time. I never have any time to play myself anymore, so I've got to figure something out. But um, right. we'll, we'll do it one have day soon, I promise. All right, my friend. Yeah, you too. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
All right, that was my very special guest, Pat Roquet. Uh, rock your golf. Um, great uh, lady and just a, a phenomenal, uh, hardworking woman that's just really taken her business to a whole different level, uh, as you heard some of it tonight. I want to take this opportunity again to also thank the guys on the Coach's Corner panel, Pete Buchanan, Brian Dobby, and Brandon Stukesbury, and, of course, special guest panelist Brett Cohen, and, of course, my very special interview guest tonight, Pat Roquet. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining me on Golf Talk Live. And most importantly, thank you, all the listeners, for faithfully tuning in around uh, from the literally all corners of the globe. And uh, thank you for tuning in to uh, Golf Talk Live. And I will not be having a show next week, obviously, for observance uh, of the holiday, uh, but we'll return. I believe it's November 30th, uh, which will be the last Thursday of the month. And we'll be uh, having the last Golf Talk Live airing this year will be December 14th. Um, but I'll, of course, announce that uh, as, as we continue on. But anyways, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I look forward to you joining me uh, the week after next uh, right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks and God bless, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great holiday. <laughs>